at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium for the final time with uh, fellow OU. I, well, it's hard to even tell you fellow OU beat writer. Short term, I'm still OU a, beat writer. I'll, I'll by be the doing time stuff you, tomorrow. Yeah, uh, this is true. So we'll, by the time you listen to this, Joe will still be an OU beat writer, but uh, one foot will be out the door. Wow. That's kind of that's kind of harsh. I mean, I, I'm going to give it my all until the very end. <laughs> Joe powers through. He that's, he, that's he right. gives it everything he's got. And uh, Joe, we saw. I don't know if interesting's the right word to put it because it was a uh, uh, a little bit ho hum. Yeah. But a 52-14 Oklahoma blowout over the Mountaineers today. That's about what we expected, though. Yeah, it was. It, the result, if you said, okay, it's 50-14, 52-14, that's a result we would have expected. Now, you know, it had some interesting parts. I don't know where you want to start, um, but there's there's the Austin Kindle component. There's the there's the what will long be known as the infamous Sooner Schooner well, crash. There's the punt block. Let's start with what everybody's been talking about all day, which is the Sooner Schooner crash. In the second quarter, uh, a gasp came up <laughs> over the crowd, and I don't think I think a lot of us in the press box at first didn't realize what was going on because that's usually a time where we're either heads down typing yeah. or writing notes after a touchdown or uh, tweeting, anything like that. But uh, tell us a little bit about what happened. Yeah, I am. I'm trying to think. I don't even remember. D- Part of me thinks, okay, I saw it flip, and then part of me thinks I just looked up when everyone gasped and saw it tipped over. But, yeah, after OU went up 28-7 late in the second quarter, you know, just as it always does after scores, the Sooner Schooner comes onto the field, and as it's making its left-hand turn toward the Northeast Tunnel, it flips on its right side. <laughs> and well, but the whole thing didn't flip. Only yeah. the, 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 state, the coach part flipped. The coach flipped the – Ponies ran off with the the, the undercarriage, the, is what yeah. I said. I hope that's an, uh, an <laughs> accurate chassis, word. The chassis, the the wheel and axles. I mean, the horses were okay. They didn't tip over, but the the roughneck driving and the little sis, which is their sister organization, um, they both slammed down to the ground like yeah, pretty the, violently. The little sis, especially, had she to, like rolled. She, yeah, and she had to be helped off. Yeah, it looked like she was walking off, mostly under her own power, but did have her arms around uh, a couple people helping her off. I guess the, the photographer uh, that was in the carriage in the schooner uh, had to have some medical attention, as did a couple other people. I guess after they went off, I think what they said three three, three people folks. were looked at. Um, yeah, they were all released. The first thing I, because I went down there probably two, three minutes after it happened. I mean, I didn't get down there until probably 10 minutes afterward. But um, what Kenny Mossman, the associate athletic director, said at the time was that the cameraman, who was an OU cameraman, was the only one hurt. But then they kind of revised that and said that three people were being looked at. But I think everyone is okay. The The horses are okay. But it was just kind of a weird scene down there because when I – when I got there, the the carriage part, the uh, let's see here, the stagecoach part, the 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 schooner part that had become <laughs> detached from the wheels was just sitting there on the ground. <laughs> yeah, and, they had to carry it off the field. Hey, and 
you know, good on the OU cheer squad. It was a group for, effort. They rushed out there really quickly and helped the the Roughnecks and, and a little sis carry it off the field. And then the ones that were left that weren't carrying it did a great job along with some security folks and even uh, the referees yeah. of uh, cleaning up all the debris that was left. Yeah, so by the time I got down there, there was still some you know confusion and, and people making sure everyone was okay. And then the Roughnecks loaded the the ponies had already been taken out of the stadium, which would have been a great scene, into their trailer. But the Roughnecks had loaded the uh, the carriage part onto the wheels, and they rolled it out of the stadium down Jenkins Avenue behind McCaslin Fieldhouse. Uh, and by this point, I was getting yelled at for for videoing this whole thing, but I was glad to do it. Um, <laughs> but they loaded it all up, and and that was that. But it was you know from touchdowns around out, there was no sooner schooner. Yeah, it was a bizarre scene. Um, I can't remember if it was all the rest of the touchdowns, but definitely the next one, there was just a lone roughneck <laughs> yeah. uh, running out there with the flag. Honorary horse. Back. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a, a strange, strange deal, but brings to mind some some other Sooner Schooner mishaps over the years. There was last year, you were the uh, Sooner Schooner beat writer, I think. Yeah. You're I had, even, I had forgot about that. But, uh, yeah, someone was dragged. When a roughneck got dragged – sort of fell out of the back and had just had his feet in there and sort of bounced up the ramp. Yeah. Um, but seemed to bounce back all right from that. Then in 93 uh, against Colorado, we had a similar incident to the one we had today, except for the top part of the carriage didn't come apart. So when it flipped, everything flipped. And uh, I think the horses maybe uh, came out of that in a lot worse shape than they did today. And then, of course, there's the thing – I'm not going to say everybody remembers because, uh, you know, I'm old, but I think everybody my age or older remembers that grew up around OU football is the uh, 1985 Orange Bowl when the schooner was flagged for a penalty yeah. for, for uh, I think it was unsportsmanlike conduct is the officially what they gave them for coming out prematurely because there was a penalty on OU's extra point that uh, extended that uh, – or a field goal. It was a field goal that extended that drive. Yeah, the uh, yeah. So it, it's a history. So I, I I looked it up. They've been doing this since '64 with the Sooner Schooner. And on a serious note, I mean, I'm glad everyone is okay. But given those past mishaps, um, I I sort of wonder, like, you know, this is such an OU staple that I doubt it goes away. But I just wonder if they start to sort of rethink this. Yeah, um, you've got to think if they're going to rethink it that that rethinking has been done by now, especially after what happened last year. Now they have PETA pressuring but, them, though. Yeah, they do have PETA <laughs> pressuring them. PETA, PETA unsurprisingly, uh, jumps on this and says that... Uh, Keep horses off the field, in all caps, was one of their uh, yeah. one of their things. Um, Which, so that was, hey, I'm all for animal rights, but... I, I am, too. I'm not, uh, I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it. I just very much enjoyed writing uh about PETA in my final final game here yeah but let's let's hear real quick what lincoln riley had to say about uh the the schooner incident and his uh, immediate concerns in the aftermath yeah i was yeah nervous i mean scared for the people in it and then just relieved when i saw everybody get up and okay and then then our crowd proceeded to go wild which was <laughs> kind of cool too so yeah but glad everybody's okay 
So that's Lincoln Riley on uh, the the Sooner Schooner mishap of the day. But um, Joe, um, other than that, not much went wrong for the Sooners. Yeah, that was that was uh, really the only disaster for OU. There, the the rest of the game was was pretty clean, pretty much what we expected. Uh, an, another sharp game by the defense. Jalen Hurts, his sharpest game numbers wise. So. Um, crisis uh was avoided other than with the sooner schooner <laughs> yeah but uh we're gonna take a break there i'm your host ryan aber alongside joe masato from the oklahoman and this is the sooners extra podcast presented by zaxby's welcome back to the sooners extra podcast presented by zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor stop by your neighborhood zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast joe you mentioned right before the break jalen hurts day absolutely phenomenal 16 of 17 for 316 yards three touchdowns the second best passing efficiency day in ou history behind a performance that kyler murray had a year ago against baylor also ran for 75 yards and two touchdowns but uh those two running touchdowns to me, and we'll talk a little bit about his throwing day here in a second, those two running touchdowns to me were just uh, phenomenal in different ways. The first one, it looks like there's no chance that he's going to be able to run it into the end zone. He was actually trying to throw, and uh, I guess a route got busted there. Barry Trammell, who hopefully we'll have on uh, for, for one of the segments here shortly, was yelling – or not yelling in the press box. He wasn't yelling, but he said, throw it away, throw it away, throw it away. And then uh, all of a sudden, Jalen Hurts stops, starts, shakes the defensive end, and he's in the end zone. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was his most impressive running play because it, it did look like that play was dead and busted. And he just he's just so strong that a defensive lineman, you know, could not – you know, contain him. And even when trying to make the tackle, Hertz just ran in for the score and it just shows his creativity. And, you know, I would say this trade of his has got him in trouble a little bit at times, but today it didn't. It's sort of his unwillingness to give up on a play. Yeah. He, he does not like to slide. He doesn't like to, you know, uh, step out of bounds. He's a guy who's going to keep fighting until the last possible second, which has got him in trouble a little bit at times but um you know at, at some points and more often than not it leads to just uh, spectacular efforts like the one we saw today yeah i mean it was it was something i mean this was the most efficient most efficient day uh in college football this season right it, yeah as was. far as quarterback efficiency and you know it, for as much as barry wrote wrote about this after the texas game how you know any any quarterback would sort of trade his day of, of maybe losing a grip on the Heisman Trophy race to beat Texas and keep OU in, in playoff contention. But today, not not that he was out of it going forward. He's the third leading candidate if you look at the betting odds. But today, with this effort uh, and, and those crazy numbers he put up, he's right back in the middle of it. Yeah, put himself right back in the thick of it. Like you said, it's not like he was out of it, but certainly um, with with some of the other performances. Uh, that went on around the country last week, um, he wasn't right at the forefront. Now he's right at the forefront again, certainly, with you know averaging 7.5 yards of carry. The other touchdown was fantastic, too. 
really after he stepped through the line on that one, uh, the 22-yard run, there was nobody that was ever going to get a chance to ha- to, to, to catch up to him. But, uh, you know, as impressive as his running ability was, passing also was phenomenal today. The only incompletion was a drop, a second-quarter drop by uh, Drake Stoops that was really right on the money. It, it wasn't an easy catch, certainly, but uh, it was one that very well could have been caught. Otherwise, we'd be talking about a perfect day for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, the the ball to Lee Morris sticks out. You mentioned it in your story, and Lee Morris – you know, was asked if he was surprised if Jalen even threw it because it was into the wind. It was against tight coverage. I think that was the throw Lincoln Riley was most impressed with. And um, it, it was, you know, I, I think, you know, Lee, D, Lee Morris, I was, I was about to say TD Lee, which is uh, in my head because OU football tweeted that out. Uh, he finally got a touchdown today, but he, he basically said that that was a Heisman Heisman type throw for, for Jalen Hurts. Yeah, let's let's hear what Lincoln Riley had to say about that touchdown pass to Lee Morris. I mean, it was into a gusty wind, you know, and we've covered pretty decent. I mean, it was it was just a it's a it was a throw. It's a little bit of a strange angle. Um, it wasn't like just a go ball down the field. The guy, so you got to read the angle, the receiver, and anticipate where he's going to be. You know, and then it, you know, it's one that, you know, occasionally get a guy wide open. That's great. And there's a large margin for error. There wasn't much margin for error on that one. It was just a, it was a, it was a, it was a big boy throw. So that was Lincoln Riley on Jalen Hurts' 46 yard touchdown pass to Lee Morris in the third quarter. And, and Joe, it wasn't just that play, though. It was uh, pretty well constantly the way he was able to spread the ball around to not only Charleston Rambo and CeeDee Lamb, who we've come accustomed to seeing, but uh, to, to Jeremiah Hall, to Kennedy Brooks, to obviously uh, Lee Morris, who had a couple of catches today, to Drake Stoops, who got involved in the offense really for the first time uh, during the flow of the game. He's been in there in some you know garbage time situation. Theo Weiss made an appearance. It seemed like after last week when Oklahoma's uh, rotation got sh- shrunk uh, significantly, especially on the offensive side, when we didn't see you know Hazelwood and, and Weiss and, and Trajan Bridges, some of those other guys, today it really expanded. Yeah, you know, one of the most surprising things that happened today, I thought, was Trajan Bridges playing um, – quicker than getting on the field quicker than Jaden Hazelwood did. I mean, you know, Lincoln said after the Texas game that he was disappointed in himself and the offensive staff for not sticking to their substitution rotations as well as the defensive side did. We've seen uh, how frequently the defense has rotated today, not an overcorrection because of, of the score, but they, you could see that that was a point they wanted to make with Trajan Bridges, Jaden uh, Hazelwood playing a lot. Um, Theo Weiss played more today than maybe he has all season, and all those guys got involved. Yeah, so yet again, uh, the the uh, rotation, the balls uh, that Jalen Hurts throws getting really spread out there. Nobody had more than four targets in the game. Uh, Charleston Rambo targeted four times, caught all four of those balls. CeeDee Lamb, three of three as well. Of course, you know when you um, complete all but one of your passes – um, they actually had three passes incomplete on the day, but there there weren't a whole lot of uh, you know missed targets uh, on the day 
But, Joe, let's talk about the running game a little bit. You know, Lincoln Riley has said that Trey Sermon and, and Kennedy Brooks are 1-1A. One one I don't think that can be said with a straight face anymore. It's pretty clear that Kennedy Brooks is, is option number one in the run game for the Sooners. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt about it. I mean, he you're right. He has kept saying that – you know those two guys share the share the load, but this was another game where Kennedy Brooks not only got the start, but he also dominated carry wise. He had ten. Uh, Trey Sermon had five, five for seventeen yards. Just a really, really quiet day for Trey Sermon. Ramondre Stevenson carried the ball four times. Not a big day for him either. It was Kennedy Brooks, ten carries for seventy yards and a touchdown, and he he had some Trey Sermon-esque runs today I thought he was really hard to bring down he showed not only uh, the elusiveness that we've come to see from from uh, Kennedy Brooks but also a little bit of strength I thought running the ball yeah I think he did and I think it was clear that Kennedy Brooks was was feeling good about himself the the that he was able to find a rhythm Mm -hmm. which I think at times has been missing you know it's great that you have the depth at running back that this team has but at times it's hard to find a rhythm for those guys, and I think it, it came easy today when Kennedy Brooks was out there for most of the first three drives. I think the first time that Kennedy Brooks wasn't on the field was right before the second touchdown of the day when, when Trey Sermon and Ramondre Stevenson uh, go out there and there's sort of a, a cross, fake the handoff to Ramondre Stevenson, and then all of a sudden Charleston Rambo was pretty wide open in the end zone. Yeah, you know, let me know what you think about this. But there's, they would make this trade off every time. But there's no doubt that Jalen Hurts has sort of messed up the rhythm in the running backs room as far as how carries are distributed and such. And Kyler Murray was a he was an a thousand yard rusher last year, but it didn't feel the same to me. Like it still felt like they had an order in the running back room that they don't really seem to have this year yeah it seemed like so much of what kyler did was improvisational and just based on pure speed what jalen hurts did is part of the running back that's right group and feels more so scripted it, yeah it feels more scripted um but it also takes away directly takes away those carries of course it also uh those carries chances also get taken away when you run at a deliberate pace like Oklahoma has done generally and also when defenses uh, work at a deliberate pace against you today there were OU ran what uh, 59 total yeah, plays that's a crazy low number yeah it, it really is but <laughs> they averaged 9.5 yards a play yeah it's just and incredible. they came in averaging 9.6 yeah, so they averaged 9.5 yards per play, and their yards per play went down. Yeah, but they're still keeping that pace. I mean, this is, you know, if you if you want to compare it to last year, last year's offense, 8.6, I think. So they're still almost a full yard or a full yard above that. Yeah, so th- this offense continues to be fantastic. I thought the offensive line continued to make progress today as they uh, – they started together that group for the third time this year, finally getting some sense of consistency over there. But, uh, you know, just keep rolling right along for this offense. I thought it was big that uh, they also avoided turnovers again. As good as Jalen Hurts was and as good as Jalen Hurts has been, the turnovers have been a bit of an issue the last three weeks. Didn't throw an interception for the first time uh 
believe it was the first time in Big 12 play that he hadn't thrown an interception. So uh, just a fantastic game for both Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma offense today. We're going to take a break there. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcasts app. We really appreciate it, and thanks for tuning in each week. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's, taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm Ryan Aber, joined by Joe Masato, and for this third and final segment, columnist Barry Trammell. Barry, after the game, you got a chance to uh, visit a little bit with former Oklahoma quarterback Austin Kendall, who made the start today for the Mountaineers after uh, suffering a chest injury last week against Iowa State. Yeah, you know, it was good. I, I watched the end of the game from up here and watched from, you know, high above the uh, crow's nest and saw Austin sort of migrate to midfield a little bit, uh, about the 45-yard line. A bunch of Sooners gathered around him. I mean, you could tell that guys were really did want to see him. And, um, and so I thought that was interesting. And then my man St. Joe here, just he sent me a, a video via text he was on the field filming it, and um, all kinds of guys were coming up, including um, Lincoln Riley and one Jalen Hurts even, and they were never teammates. But yeah, um, so I thought that was interesting because um, the guy. I, it sounded like the guys, and even you know, Kendall was disappointed in his performance and the team. I mean, I don't know that anybody had a reasonable expectation of challenging the Sooners, but Kendall didn't play that well. You know, he's fifteen of thirty-one today. And missed some throws, including he could have had three touchdowns if he makes that little swing pass there in the fourth quarter, and he missed it by a mile. And um, but he was still, he said he still enjoyed the day. Glad to, it's good to be back. Good to see everybody. So it, it didn't appear to me that he really harbored much ill will or resentment over the way it went down. Yeah, and that's what sort of the the. Uh Storyline that I got coming out of my conversation early in the week with Brian Kendall, his father, that there wasn't any resentment hanging around. They Austin Kendall still loves Oklahoma. You know, the interesting thing is, Joe, that uh, Austin Kendall's girlfriend is a soccer player for Oklahoma. He comes all the way from West Virginia out here and didn't get to see her today. A lot of her family was here. But OU soccer plays tomorrow night at West Virginia, and he's going to get to see her in Morgantown. Yeah, I mean that's crazy how that worked out. <laughs> but good thing the game, good thing for both of them that the game is Sunday instead of Saturday. But it, it's just really odd that they traded places. But kind of like <laughs> you guys said, um, you know, it was it was kind of cool to to see his return and the way that his former teammates embraced him. Uh, kind of all, all crowded around him, almost waiting in a line, waiting to, to say hello and, and, you know, pat him on the back a little bit. After yeah, this a really cool moment after the game. Uh, also, we've talked about Jalen Hurts and the Oklahoma offense. Let's talk about the defense a little bit, Barry. And, you know, we didn't see the big sack numbers. Once again, didn't see the turnover numbers for the Sooners as for the third straight week. They didn't uh, force a turnover but still some some really good signs uh, for Oklahoma's defense. Well, here's how crazy it's been. We have gotten spoiled after like one week because <laughs> like in my report card, I actually graded them pretty harshly for some things as if, you know, they're supposed to be the purple people eaters all of a sudden. Um, but they hold West Virginia to 14 points, 
11, 11 stops out of 13 possessions. And uh, and if they stop that fake punt that they yeah, got to fourth right. down. And and really, so really it was, you know, give them an extra possession, really, because I wasn't on the defense in theory. So, um, but uh, we're getting a little greedy probably. So there's some things, you know, they, they let the fourth – one of the touchdowns came on a fourth and six from the 38, and they let him complete the pass for a first down. Then Brian Osamota misses the tackle, and the guy makes 38-yard touchdown. And um, But I, I thought in general the defense was really good. It's not a great – you know, this is not Geno Smith or Will Greer quarterback in no offense to Austin Kendall. They don't have Tavon Austin or David Sills <laughs> or any of those other guys either. Yeah, but there were a lot of guys that weren't Tavon Austin, David Sills – Will Greer and and on and on that abused the Sooners' defense the last few years. Oh yeah, I mean this is I mean we've seen all kinds of shootouts. Sooners this fourth straight game they've scored fifty at least on West Virginia, um, and the Mountaineers have hung right with them. I mean we've seen games of fifty nine, fifty six, fifty to forty nine, fifty six. Yeah, this is only what the second blowout in the last few years. Yeah, so. so I mean, it's clearly a good a good sign. It's not a great West Virginia offense. Um, Kansas State next week's not either. Frankly, this is this is turning into the, the, what's happened with Oklahoma and the whole Big Twelve. Really, is it's a November stretch. You got you know Baylor, Iowa State, and then Bedlam. Oklahoma, Texas are really the among oh, the four yeah. elite okay. teams. That's all you're going to see in October. The rest of it's going to be November. And that's sort of cool. That's not a bad thing. So the showdowns are going to come in November. And what Baylor did to OSU today, what Iowa State did on the road in Lubbock, was a clear differentiation between the top four. Now, I think there's a clear separation between one and those guys, too, right. the Sooners. But the, the stiff tests are on their way. Yeah, and uh, Barry, we'll stick with you for just a second, just because of your perspective on the Big 12. You mentioned that. We had some interesting results today, K-State. Knocks off TCU, but Baylor uh, takes care of business in Stillwater and, and blows out Oklahoma State in the end. Although it wasn't, uh, it it was a tight game until late when the Bears pour it on a little bit. I think with three quick touchdowns there in the fourth quarter to make that margin what it wound up being. But um, that that showdown in November against Baylor is starting to loom pretty large. Yeah, because the Bears play texas after that so right. they don't they should they should be unbeaten on november 16th when it's uh when it's uh oklahoma baylor uh st joe suggesting game day will be there um wouldn't be the first time game day wasn't that 2015 a game day I that Baker mayfield game was. in 15 i think that was game day on the on the brazos yeah yeah be a top 10 matchup it yeah, could be. that's right. The yeah. fighting Baylor Bears could get in the top ten. That's exactly right. Yeah, so that'll be fun to watch. Um, before we wrap things up here, we we talked about it on the podcast uh, late in the week. But uh, Joe, your final game. I don't know if we'll you know make you cry like Eric <laughs> Horn and Maddie Lee the other day, but uh, just. Uh, this is your last appearance on the Sooners Extra podcast, unless we, you know, drag you on for a special guest appearance later. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to believe. Uh, it's kind of weird, uh, you know, w- walking away from this 
this beat, enjoying Thunder coverage sort of in in the middle of football season, just as uh, before things get heated up in November a little bit. But it's been an awesome time. I've loved uh, working with you guys, especially on this covering OU and trying to tell the best stories we can. And a very uh, fun way to go out today, walking out of the stadium chasing a uh, Sooner Schooner story. <laughs> Well, it, and I, it, it was an odd day. At, it was an odd day at the ballpark. There's no question about that. Yeah, and Joe, I think that that sort of typifies some of the the things that you've done on this beat. The the different way you've approached it. Um, to to think to run out of the stadium and follow the schooner down Jenkins as it goes, as we talked about in the first segment, yeah. uh, north of McCasin Fieldhouse. <laughs> But not just that, the the Ricky Dixon thing, you know, so many of the things that you did with uh, the, some of the other beats that you had, some of the other stories, and uh, I, I know we're going to miss you on this beat, and we really appreciate the, the job that you've done, and I hope the listeners and readers do too. Well, I, I really appreciate that. I mean, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun memories, fun stories, and today uh – I, I, it was a weird game, but I, I'm glad this was a it was a fun one to end on, just with all the craziness that we chased. <laughs> yeah, you certainly had no uh, no shortage of interesting, but we're going to make you do one more day of uh, of OU football coverage on Sunday for Monday's paper before you finally take that step over to the Thunder as their season uh, starts next week. Uh, Barry, anything you'd like to say about Joe's uh, swan song here? <laughs> I feel you guys are too young to know much about MASH, but I feel a little bit like MASH, uh, old Colonel Potter in one of the episodes, all his old pals from World War I, the last one from World War I died. <laughs> uh, so he pulls out this like 400-year-old bottle of scotch and toasts his old friends with the 4077th, but then he gives a speech that says something like, you know, as much as my old friends meant to me, my new friends mean even more. So... When some young pup like St. Joe comes around <laughs> and doesn't bust me about being, you know, such an old codger, <laughs> you know, it, it makes me feel good. He's been a delight to work with. I don't know why we're getting so sentimental. He's well, he's moving down. The, he, he's going to be the there every Tuesday staff meeting. <laughs> I'm going to see him. You know, I, I, well, you're not going to get to cover another game with him until you're, next weekend when the Warriors. Yeah, are in I was town. about to say you're so. you're going to see him yeah, more, collectively probably. more, probably more. But I'll I'll be back to seeing you on Tuesdays. Although hopefully, Joe, you'll uh, make it out to hang out with us some since you'll at least be in Norman. Yeah, I'll still be here uh, in Norman. See you guys uh, for some post post practice sessions. Uh, yeah, we got to keep up that, that tradition because yeah. that's been. Uh, been fun the last uh what month of the season yeah. month since we've been doing that but uh joe once again thank you so much for everything you've done uh on this beat and really looking forward to reading your coverage of the thunder i know you'll bring a unique perspective there and also hearing the uh hearing you on the thunder buddies with uh with our good pal maddie lee and i'm sure barry will be on there quite a bit so your time podcasting with barry uh is not over your time podcasting with me, however, is about to come to it's an end. It's over for now, but yeah. So <laughs> from one beat to another, one podcast to another, but it's uh, it's been fun. But hopefully, uh, can can carry this over and 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 tell some good stories on the Thunder pretty soon. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm sure you will, Joe. Uh, again, thank you so much. Uh, we're gonna wrap it up here from high above Owen Field, where Oklahoma beats West Virginia fifty-two to fourteen. 
on Saturday night. The Sooners will be back in action next week. Another 11 a.m. kick against Kansas State up there in Manhattan. I'll be there. Jenny Carlson will be there. We'll have a new OU beat writer there, and we'll uh, introduce you to her here in a couple days on another edition of the we're Sooners everybody, Extra Podcast. We're keeping everybody here. Well, I, I, I guess we might as well <laughs> say it. Uh, Is it a state know, secret? It's, uh, it's a yeah, secret? I hope it's not a – if it's a state secret, somebody needs to tell me. No, it's it's not a state secret. Uh, Abby Bitterman, who has uh, covered OU as a member of the OU Daily over the last few years, she has been uh, spent the last, what, three weeks, <laughs> month as a high school writer? A meteoric rise, shall we say. <laughs> At the Oklahoman. Uh, also, you, know, you guys, by the way, I hope you guys know it didn't used to be this way. We used to well, be, not have an opening for like four years, five years between openings. Now we have one like every three months. And it's and it's good because people are going on to yeah, yeah they're doing know, great things so. yeah I mean it's people getting we're, other jobs and all kinds of stuff so it's sort of cool yeah we're I mean we're thrilled for Joe we're thrilled for Eric Horn and, and his new venture you know we're thrilled for those guys who leave us but at the same time uh, we'll certainly miss them so uh, thank you so much for listening to the Sooners Extra podcast it's presented by Zaxby's taking chicken to a whole new level of flavor. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today or order online at zaxby's.com. You can reach out to me uh, through Twitter at R-Y-A-B-E-R or through email R-A-B-E-R at oklahoman.com. Joe, I won't ask you for your contact information because by the time people listen to this, you'll be on to the next. But Barry, no one uh, contact me, please. <laughs> how can people uh, reach out to you? Well, I've been in the Norman phone book for uh, 41 years. <laughs> 40 years. And, of course, most <laughs> of the people. I don't even know. Do they still print a phone book? Uh, I, was, I was about I to start say. making fun of you, Barry, <laughs> Mo- for Most of the people <laughs> I mean, I listening to us are like, phone. what's a phone book? I usually get my cell phone, 405-760-8080, and then I ask you for my hashtag on Twitter, which I guess is <laughs> at Barry Trammell. Yeah. B-E-R-R-Y-T-R-A-M-E-L. But like I said. I also have the same home phone number literally for 39 years. Yeah, we, we won't talk to Barry about what hashtags and the difference between a hashtag and a username is right now. It might take a little so bit. Ha- to, I, so hashtag Barry Trammell is not. No. It could be your handle. My handle is at Barry Trammell. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, uh, you know, no, hashtags are, are something completely different. Okay, well, but, I don't even want to know what that is. I don't even know what they are. I don't want to know. So, sorry, Barry, I'm going to uh, go off the rails here for just a second. So you still have a home phone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any uh, reason how active does that uh, stay? Uh, we probably ought to get rid of it. I don't know. I mean, the main thing is my wife uses it for business, like neighborhood association business. Okay. She doesn't want to deal with that on her cell phone? I guess. I don't know. Do you have an answering machine on it? Does it have voicemail? Yeah. What yeah. do you? Got, a, got an answering machine and whatever else. <laughs> Caller ID, all that kind of stuff. Because I, I like nineteen ninety eight stuff. I grew up with. I, th- I remember it was such a big deal when my dad got us a second line at my house for we me and my brothers. We got one of those. <laughs> Three, two, one. Uh, uh, four, five, two, two. Well, four, we five, were two, two. we were all fired up because the last four digits of ours was two two three seven, which spelled out Aber, A B E R. So well, we could me, just here's why that my second line's famous for me. When Jim Weeks called me when I was 17 years old to offer me a part-time job at the Norman Transcript, that's the number he called, our <laughs> second number. So um, that's what I'll always remember about it. So that was pretty cool. All right, so we will wrap things up uh, there finally. 
But uh, thank you so much for joining us. You can check out our work every day at Oklahoman.com at and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anyways.